Welcome to the Cheapskate Show, everybody. On today's episode, we're going to talk about your wrist. What should you put on that thing? Smartwatch? Fitness bands? Aren't they kind of the same thing? How much do you have to spend to get the features you want? Answers to those questions and many more are coming your way with a special CNET guest on hand to help us. You see what I did there? On hand? I'm Rick Broyd, a CNET Senior Commerce Editor, but better known as The Cheapskate. And joining me, as always, is a man who, though you wouldn't know it to look at him, has no wrists. Hi, Dave. J- uh, what, what happened to your wrists, anyway? Hey, I have wrists. They're just not where you expect. <laughs> where, where do you... Uh, never mind. I was going to ask where, you, where you're keeping them, but I, I don't really want to know. It's best if we don't... It, that is one of the weirdest introductions. It went from mean <laughs> to just, I'm going to say, trippy. You've been watching Legion? Well, you know, on your recommendation, I finally got to Legion Season 3, which was utterly fantastic, capping off a rather challenging Season 2 following an utterly fantastic Season 1. So anybody who hasn't seen Legion, you've got to see that show. Yeah, well oh, my worth God. It. it was bonkers in the best way. Legion is one of the best three-season arcs of television I have ever seen. Yeah, just bonkers in the best way. Loved it. All right, so hey, let's move on to the main event here. Uh, we have none other than CNET smartwatch and other kind of product expert Lexi Savides uh, joining us to talk about the best smartwatches, the cheapest smartwatches, fitness bands, and all that good stuff. Before we dive in with her, however, I'm going to keep her waiting in the green room another moment because something just kind of crossed my radar that I think is interesting and sort of dovetails into what we're talking about today. Dave, you, you've worked at any number of corporations in your long work history. I've been fired from 106 companies. <laughs> you know, I was trying to make a joke that you're old, but but you ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I just went in the other direction. I'm just not good at my job. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're so fireable. Uh, so any of these companies that you used to work for, did they did they like offer health incentives? Like, was there any kind of program where you could get like money or discounts or whatever if you proved that you were healthy? Yes, I remember we have a friend in common. His name is Kevin, who his company for a while was incentivizing people to walk more. And they had actually issued these these pedometers to the all the employees in the company. And I remember Kevin telling me or us that he quickly discovered that if he just tapped his hand correctly, he could get in all of his steps just sitting at his desk. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is that is called gaming the system, friends. <laughs> Clearly, you have some motivation for asking this question. Well, you know, I've always kind of admired this whole notion of um, a com- your company incentivizing you to be healthy. I really think that that with the proper incentive, people can make changes to their lifestyle and just and just eat healthier and exercise more and all that good stuff. So, oh, of course. Yeah. So this kind of thing has been around for a while. There's a new entry into this space, and it's uh, it's called CrowdFit, and that's crowd with a K. Which reminds me, I'm sorry, I'm going to detour here, of the 30 Rock episode where NBC is being acquired by Cable Town. Yes. And when, when Jack Donaghy explains this to Liz, he says, Cable Town with a K. <laughs> Just <laughs> into the most sad, like, insulting voice. <laughs> so I feel that same way about CrowdFit with a K. Anyway, this used to be a corporate-only program, but they just literally yesterday, the day before this episode is dropping, 
opened up to consumers. And the way it works is you connect uh, your fitness apps and or trackers to the service, and it rewards you with cash incentives for things like exercising and practicing mindfulness and all that good stuff. So, Oh, I my just God. To... So, Rick, does this mean that if I connect and I get in my, my exercise, my steps, what have you, I will get discounted pizza? <laughs> That would be the ultimate catch-22, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, so I don't know really too much more about it other than that. I just wanted to mention it because I think it really dovetails nicely with what we're going to talk about, which is uh, smartwatches and fitness trackers and all that sort of thing. Because this is in the future, like it's literally next week that CrowdFit is going live, I haven't had a chance to, to look at it or try it or anything like that, but I do think it's something that that's, is worth checking out, and I want to talk about it again at some point down the road. But for now, we'll just include a link in the show notes, and you can check it out for yourself. And uh, without further ado, we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk to Lexi Savides. Welcome to the podcast, Lexi. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it is our pleasure. So... We are here, of course, to talk about smartwatches and fitness bands. And can you just educate us, please? What's the difference? This is a contentious one. It's kind of interesting. I, I, I really think of it as a smartwatch. Think of it like an actual old school watch. It's slightly bigger, so you can see the time. It's got a clock face and everything. A fitness band is smaller, and it's literally like the width of your finger or just a little bit bigger. And uh, it tracks, you know, the basics like steps, calories, heart rate, maybe your sleep as well. But it doesn't give you sort of like a side-by-side -side accompaniment for your phone. So you can still sort of see notifications and things on fitness bands, but they're much smaller screens in general. And they're a bit more basic in terms of their specs and functionality compared to a smartwatch. At least that's how I like to divide them. But a lot of people use the term interchangeably. And especially if you're talking about cheaper options, I think that's okay. Let me ask you a question, Lexi, because actually Rick and I were debating this just, just today. Are there any smartwatches out there that haven't fully leaned into health and fitness features? Or can you get a smartwatch that's just like notifications and those kinds of traditional things? Or has everybody kind of gotten on the fitness bandwagon because of the Apple Watch? As far as I know, I think most of the smartwatches available have some sort of basic health functions. And by health, I don't mean like replacing, you know, a medical device because pretty much no smartwatch at the moment has medical grade sensors apart from anything that is FDA cleared, which is something like an electrocardiogram or ECG that you find on the Apple Watch, some Samsung watches, and also the new Fitbit Sense. So, it's pretty hard to find a smartwatch or a fitness tracker that doesn't have some sort of health metric on board, even if that's just steps or tracking your heart rate or, or a sleep tracking, for example. If you don't want to use those features, the good thing is you don't have to touch them. If you decided, I don't want to know how many steps I'm taking, I just want to use it as a second screen for my phone, you can totally do that and completely ignore those other features if you want. But for the most part, it's going to be hard to find one that is specifically only just for notifications and a side screen. Yeah, I'm just getting tired of them keeping track of how much pizza I'm eating. It's none <laughs> of their business. <laughs> I hear on that one. That's hard. <laughs> so I, I think there was a stigma with a lot of the early fitness bands, you know, the Fitbits in particular, where, you know, people would get them and they'd kind of wear them around for three months, maybe six months, and then they would end up in a drawer. Are you finding that, that either the bands themselves have gotten better or that people are just more, I guess, accommodating of them now, that people have really started to integrate them 
integrate them full time into their lives or and and my bigger picture question is like I think if somebody buys a smartwatch that has fitness features, they're more likely to stick with it than if they just buy a fitness band and then sort of later sort of peter out on it. Does that does that make any yeah, sense? Yeah, I I think that's a great question, and I'll I guess I'll kind of answer the first one that you asked in terms of have they gotten better and is this sort of encouraging more people to use them more frequently? I definitely remember back in the early days of fitness bands and the first smartwatches, the functionality just wasn't really there, and so unless you were really really into technology and really wanting to kind of be on the cutting edge all the time, having a smartwatch wasn't kind of something that I think the majority of people would want to wear all the time. And also don't forget the battery life in particular wasn't usually pretty good back in the early days. So you would have to constantly be taking it off to keep charging it. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I know that every time I take the watch off to charge it, I'll probably forget to put it back on again. Like, you know, there's going to be some sort of limit to that uh, unless it's something that I absolutely love and want to use absolutely every single day and I kind of form a routine about doing it like I would charging the phone. So I think there's that aspect to it. And then if you also have to think about, you know, the functionality has improved significantly over the years. They can do so much more than those early fitness bands and smartwatches that were just really glorified step trackers in many ways and just were really basic with the interactions that you could do. And if you think about like the first, very first Apple Watch, like the Apple Watch Series Zero, for example, it wasn't really connected to your phone very much at all. It was basically just telling you what was kind of going on and, and pretty much all of the computational power was done on the phone. So you couldn't really use it independently. And apart from just telling the time, you know, you couldn't really do too much with the early generations. So they've gotten so much more um, so much more robust in what they can do. And I've definitely noticed personally, um, I can speak to my, myself, is that I can, I've definitely gotten so much more accustomed to wearing a smartwatch now. Early days, like 2015, 2016, even before that, I just wasn't motivated to put it on because it just wasn't giving me anything extra. Now I just feel like it can do so much more. So I'm more motivated to wear it every day. I know you've been testing some of the, the cheaper fitness bands and smartwatches, right? So, oh, yes. <laughs> so tell me, what's your favorite? And I'm curious, is there something important that is missing that you like couldn't live without from a more expensive model? Oh, okay. So there are, you know, there is lots of really, really good inexpensive smartwatches and fitness trackers out there. I think if you're looking for something that is, you know, on the cheaper end of the spectrum, we're talking under $100. I know that this is one of Rick's favorites and it actually is sort of one of mine too. I, I first found out about it because of Rick and it's the AmazeFit BIP. Yeah, yeah I was hoping you were going to yeah. check that. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love that little watch. It it just does uh, a lot, and it doesn't look as good as something like, like no. the Apple Watch. And the, <laughs> no, the thing ugly. is, like, it's yeah. It look, it's not pretty. It looks like a toy. But you know, at that end of the spectrum, you shouldn't really be expecting it to look the most amazing, like in terms of material design. Well, for what it does and for the price, I think it's incredibly effective. It's got things like built-in GPS. It's got a battery that just lasts like crazy. Uh, so it's that's one of my favorites. If you step up to like the $100 to $200 range, you know, there's like a, there's a Fitbit Versa 2 that I actually really like, the Versa 3. Uh, I still haven't tested fully yet, but I'm undecided because I wasn't super hot on the high-end Fitbit, which was the Fitbit Sense. But there's just so many options there. I just think that you don't necessarily have to spend $200, $300, $400 on your Apple Watches or your Galaxy Watches, what have you, just because the cheaper options, 
unless you're really wanting the tightest integration with your phone's ecosystem, you can get a lot for less, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything sexier than saying, I want the tightest possible integration with my phone's <laughs> ecosystem. I mean, that's something you can wrap up and put under the tree. I uh, know, right? I think that's the best gift you can possibly give. Uh, but, you know, there are obviously advantages to having something like an Apple Watch if you are an iPhone user, or conversely, uh, say, a Galaxy Watch if you are a Galaxy or Android user. You know, you do get a lot of options like being able to take calls from the watch, having built-in LTE, things like that that are super valuable for a certain subset of people. Like, I like to go out on runs and walks, and taking my phone with me is just super annoying. So being able to be able to keep getting calls, notifications and messages on my wrist without my phone is a big deal. But I don't expect everybody to want to be able to do that. So unless you really need those features, why spend the money? So it sounds like, you know, you've mentioned a lot of really interesting features, but you didn't mention things like ECG and the O2 sensor on the new Apple Watch. Does, does that mean in your mind that those features are kind of non-essential, like you can skip those and go with a more inexpensive one? This is something that really depends on the individual. I would say that the only medically cleared sensor on any smartwatch at the moment, as far as I'm aware, is anything that's FDA cleared. And that's, for example, the ECG or electrocardiogram on the Apple Watch, the Galaxy Watch and the Fitbit Sense. The SpO2 sensor is not designed to be a medical sensor. And this is not designed to be a replacement for something, say, like a pulse oximeter that is FDA cleared used in medical situations. So these sensors are really only designed to give you an idea of what's going on potentially inside your body. It's not meant to be used for a substitute for medical care or a proper sensor. Say, for example, like skin temperature sensors can be really helpful in getting an idea of maybe you're experiencing some symptoms of a fever, for example, but it's not going to replace actually getting a diagnosis, for example, or actually using a, a proper thermometer. So, you know, unless you, you want to have a full deep dive into like all of these metrics, I feel like for a lot of people, this can almost start to become, it feels like, you know, car performance charts in many ways, right? So like you go to the shop and you'll get a big rundown of what's going on inside the car. The same can be kind of said for some of the sensors on some of these smartwatches. You're like, okay, great. I have all this data, but what do I do with it? And I think that's the key part that's missing from a lot of smartwatches at the moment. You know, FDA cleared sensors aside that can be used in conjunction with your doctor for proper medical care. Unless you're really into the facts, the figures, the stats, the metrics to kind of paint the picture yourself, maybe you don't need that. I'm not saying that these are useless because they're absolutely not. It's more just like, do you need to spend the extra money to have all this information? If you want it, it's fantastic. You have so many options, but I'm cheapskate. You know, I'm like you guys. I like to not have to spend so much money and still be able to get the good experience that you can get from cheaper gear. And some cheaper smartwatches actually have things like an SpO2 sensor, actually can take blood pressure readings. Although, again, not medically cleared, don't use these as substitutes for proper tools. So you said something interesting there that we've talked about a little bit before that a lot of a lot of the data that you get sometimes is not actionable. Sleep tracking is a big feature in a lot of watches, both high end and even low end. Like even the Amazfit BIP, I think, can do sleep trap tracking. And even some of the cheaper ones, the cheaper fitness bands can do that as well. Have you had any experience with specifically the sleep tracking capabilities on these? And if so, have you found that to be useful 
in any way because my takeaway has always been, okay, great, my watch tells me I didn't sleep well last night. It just gives me something else to worry about and doesn't tell me what to do about it. So what's the point? I feel like a lot of these features are just getting you worried over nothing sometimes. I agree with you. And I think in the early days, especially, there was sleep tracking was one of the early features that Fitbit did really well from the get go. But again, it's taken several generations to actually be able to make that information usable and actionable in order to for the app to give you some ideas of what you can actually do to improve your sleep. And that's only something that's been a recent development from, say, Fitbit, for example. The sort of cheaper smartwatches and fitness trackers that also do sleep tracking, it's actually kind of really funny that you bring this up because I've been testing three or four cheap smartwatches at the moment that all do sleep tracking. And Oh my goodness, the results from each could not be more wild and more different <laughs> and more off the charts. Like, I'll give you an example. One of the cheapest smartwatches that I'm testing, it's like $60 or so. It's not the Amaze Fit. It does sleep tracking. Well, and can you tell a, us which one it is? It, um, what is it called? It's called the Endure, N-D-U-R. Like, it's oh. a really good, cheap smartwatch. The screen looks beautiful. The design's fantastic. But the sleep tracking was so off. I was doing the dishes at... 10:30 p.m. at night and then I sat on the couch and I watched TV until 11:30 which was my bedtime and I woke up in the morning after having done the sleep tracking and it said hey you've been you're sleeping since like 10 p.m. and I'm going no I definitely have not been <laughs> like it was just wildly off in how it determined when I was sleeping are you sure you didn't dream watching TV you should verify that <laughs> look because... if I could dream wash my dishes and they actually got done <laughs> sign me up for that seriously I'm so down <laughs> So speaking of that, you mentioned uh, the cheapy or cheaper models that you're testing right now. Can can you tell us a little bit about them? You mentioned the Endure one. What what are some of the others, and what have overall been your impressions of them? So I'm actually doing a video right now. Great timing that we talk about this with uh, the best cheap Apple Watch alternatives, and I've chosen sort of three more um, inexpensive options. They're all under a hundred dollars. So one is the Let's Fit smartwatch, which is around thirty to thirty-five dollars. The Endure smartwatch, which is about 65, and then there's the Amazfit Bip S, which is around 70 to 75 dollars or so. They're all actually really good for the basics in terms of getting notifications from your phone, doing your basic step tracking, exercise tracking, and so on. But really, the key advantage of these cheaper smartwatches actually is the one that you would think would be the one that would be done really well by the more expensive lot, and that is battery life. But let me tell you, the more expensive smartwatches, your Apple Watches, your Galaxy Watches and your Fitbits, the Apple Watch lasts like two days at most with all of your always on displays turned off. The Galaxy Watch is similar, maybe a little bit more. And the Fitbit can maybe give you a maximum of like six days usage, the high end Fitbit at the moment. These smartwatches can last like 10, 20, even 30 days without needing to charge them which I actually think is the key advantage because it's more likely that I'm going to keep wearing this smartwatch and use it to help develop some healthy routines because I don't need to charge it as often, which is amazing. I don't know about you guys, but I am really lazy when it comes to charging my devices. When I take it off and put it on the charge, I'm going to go, do I need to put it back on? I don't know. The longer it's off my wrist, the longer I want it to stay off my wrist. So I think that's the key advantage that the cheaper options have. And they're actually 
you know, do a good job. I haven't been disappointed really with any of them. I'm not expecting them to have incredibly accurate things like sleep tracking. And to me, that's not really that important. So I think for the money, you're spending less than $100. You've got to keep your expectations in check, but you can still get really good deals and really good value for money. Like these watches do a lot for the price. So, Lexi, one one last question before we let you go here. So you, you talked about battery life as being really impressive on these less expensive watches. But I guess I'm curious, how important is that really? I mean, you sort of touched on it when you said if you put it, the thing on the charger, you're less likely to put it back on your wrist. My watch I wear daily and it's a watch. And so I rely on it as a watch. And this is kind of goes back to what I was asking earlier, you know, fitness band versus smartwatch. I wear a watch every day. So for me, it's no problem. Every night I put my phone on the charger and I put my watch on the charger. And when I get up in the morning, <laughs> watch goes back on the wrist. It's, it's no trouble. So battery life that's only a day or two is really no big deal. The only time that I find it to be an, an issue is when I travel. But we don't travel anymore, so not, not a problem. <laughs> That's true. I guess I'm looking at it from the optimist point of view that I do travel. I'm always on the go. But let's be honest, I roll out of bed and uh, check my email and uh, that's all I do for the day. So I do have the time to charge it. But I think it really depends on, you know, the type of user that you are. I definitely found that, you know, in pre-quarantine times, charging a device every day, yes, I was used to it. And I was used to having the routine, as you say, of putting everything on the charger and now uh, and then just leaving for the day when it's all charged and you're all ready to go. But now I, I'm I'm less inclined because my routine is all over the place. So I don't necessarily have the same structure to my days. And so being able to charge something all the time, like I'm, it's always accessible to me. But again, it's just the likelihood of me wanting to put it back on. Maybe this is just me as a millennial speaking. Maybe it's just <laughs> I don't want to just, you know, sometimes I just want to disconnect a little bit and having the watch is a reminder that I can always be connected. Um, and also because it's part of my job, I always have to have a wearable on at some stage. So maybe it's just more of a me going. It's a personal thing saying, you know what? I just don't want to do this right now. <laughs> I don't need to keep tracking everything. I just need a break and be offline for a little bit. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Apple Watch. I've kind of gone all in on the sleep tracking on my Series 5. And unfortunately, you know, we all know that the Apple Watch can barely get through a day on a charge. So I am finding myself having to put it on the charger once or even twice during the day to make sure that it's going to get me through the night. And this is part of my neuroses. If I'm not wearing my watch all the time, I feel like what's the point of wearing it at all? Because I'm losing out on the, the fitness tracking aspects of it. If I'm not capturing every step, why am I bothering to have one? And it's just, it's crazy. I get in these loops where it's like, oh, I forgot to wear it for five hours while it was charging. It's like, man, eh, I'm not going to bother wearing it for the rest of the day. It's very frustrating. I completely agree with you. And I'm actually really glad that you said that. I feel like that is a huge part of it, especially with the way that, you know, for example, the Apple Watch has the ring-based system that helps you kind of keep an eye on your general movements, your calorie burn, your exercise, and, you know, stand hours. And yeah, you're right. Like having it off the charger to charge for maybe like an hour to two hours, however, it long, however long it takes to charge your particular watch you lose out on that time in the middle of the day if you are trying to use it for sleep tracking. And so you kind of go, well, you know, I could take it off the charger now and do my workout, but then I know I'm going to have to put it back on the charger. So maybe I should just like, I don't know. It feels like the day is a wash, right? <laughs> exactly. When you're on the charger, you're like, eh, I can have that extra size of cheesecake today. It doesn't matter because like the watch wasn't on my wrist, so I don't need to work out, <laughs> it right? It doesn't know. <laughs> 
with your experience with all of these devices now, do you see that smartwatches, fitness bands, that sort of thing, are the Diet Coke of electronics? And let me explain what I mean by that, because I come up with really weird analogies sometimes. But <laughs> basically, when you a lot of people, when they drink a Diet Coke, they think, oh, I'm having a Diet Soda. That means I can have seven extra slices of pizza now. And... They can't, you know, because <laughs> the pizza is much worse for you than what you're making up by drinking a no-calorie soda. But do you think that people sometimes think, oh, I'm wearing a fitness band, and so I'm trying. That means I can substitute pizza for salad or something like that. The bottom line is, do you think that it's possible that some people, their their fitness and health habits actually get worse because they're using a tool like a fitness band? This is a tough one because I think it really comes down to the individual. I think you've seen a lot of success stories of people having lost substantial amounts of weight because they're being held accountable by something on their wrist that just gives them gentle reminders to either move or maybe you need to do a little bit more exercise today and things like that. And there's also a lot of programs that many of these apps come with. Say, for example, the Fitbit app has a lot of things like healthy eating programs and so on. So if you're the sort of person that will really benefit from a little bit of a nudge and a push, I think it can be incredibly helpful. But then there's the flip side. There is the person that, you know, is not really going to be motivated. It's going to be more annoyed than anything. And then just be like, well, I've got a fitness tracker. I'm tracking my steps. So maybe I can just go all out and eat the pizza. And it is kind of like the Diet Coke, as you say. So it's really something that I think you're only going to find out by wearing one. And I know that's kind of a difficult answer to give because it's kind of you really can't, I can't give a general answer that's going to apply for everyone because I know a lot of people find it incredibly helpful and beneficial and other people just don't find it useful at all. It's really just what comes down to at the end of it is finding the solution that works for you. If you're looking for a tool that's going to help you say, for example, lose weight, you have to be really motivated to want to do that in the first place and, you know, try different tools and try different things to find what works for you. So if that's your end goal, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution, unfortunately, and I kind of wish there was. You just got to try it. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head there that everybody has different needs and everybody's going to respond differently to having one of these devices. You know, whenever I'm asked, like, well, what, what smartwatch should I get? What fitness band should I get? Inevitably, I have to ask a volley of follow-up questions like, well, what are you looking to do? And what do you need this feature and that feature or whatever? So it's really that's a great piece of advice that you give, Lexi, which is that, you know, you really just kind of have to maybe jump in and try one. And I would really, I think, add the suggestion of, of start with one of the cheaper ones. I mean, if you can spend $35, $50, $65 on one of these that doesn't really break the bank and kind of get the overall experience, that's going to help you sort of determine, okay, I like this, but I could really maybe take advantage of that. And so I might want something a little, you know, a little fancier, a little better or whatever, but you can at least start, you can start cheap and be, and be a cheapskate. Exactly. I like that. Thanks for saying that so succinctly. And uh, I'll pretend that I said that. How's that? <laughs> That's the first time Rick has ever been accused of saying something succinctly. <laughs> Best time for everything. So, Lexi, tell us real quick, where where else can people find your work uh, on CNET? What are, what are you working on these days? 
Uh, you can mostly find me in the video section on CNET, or you can follow us on CNET's YouTube channel. I do a lot of fun shows where I compare cheap products to expensive alternatives. Um, so I do videos like every couple weeks on that. Uh, I also am on Instagram all the time. So please follow me there if you like pretty pictures and camera comparisons and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, if you just go to CNET and uh, type my name or look for coverage on wearables, phones, things like that, you can find my stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us on the show, Lexi. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yep. Thanks a lot. Well, that was great. And I think the important takeaway from that interview, Rick, is that in the future, all of our guests have to have Australian accents. <laughs> 100%. I will also permit New Zealand. <laughs> well, I can't <laughs> tell the difference between them. Oh, I know racist. that just got me in trouble with both <laughs> Australia and New Zealand. Uh, there are two consulates on the phone that would like to speak with you. So just to kind of close the loop on our discussion of uh, watches and fitness bands, what what are you wearing these days? Did you set an Apple Series 5? Yeah, like I said in the interview, I use Series 5 and I use it for the sleep tracking. If I was going to switch to something, I think that my money would be on an Amazfit. You know, you guys talked about the BIP earlier, and I know you both loved it. I really like the new Amazfit Band 5, which is a fitness band that is 50 bucks, but it has Alexa built in. It has a two-week battery life. It does heart rate and sleep monitoring. It even has blood oxygen level monitoring. So it's super powerful for a $50 fitness band. I think it's really hard to go wrong with that. I feel like that product is very, very similar to the new, I'm going to try to pronounce the company name correctly, Xiaomi, Xiaomi Mi Band 5. There is a consulate it's... that's going to be on the phone with you, Rick. <laughs> We've got consulate trouble. I think it's Mi Band. Maybe it's my band. I don't know. It's M-I. Uh, but it, it was also released just a couple months ago, and it's it's about 40 bucks. And to look at the two, they're virtually identical. I know from talking with Amazfit that, that their product has one or two or three kind of small advantages over the me band my band but just to your point yes it's amazing what they are packing into these 40 and 50 dollar fitness band here's my problem here's my issue with these i rely on notifications more than anything else it's my kind of like my number one driving reason for having anything strapped to my wrist i mean i like to be able to tell the time but notifications are key and so these things have small small displays and they use small text. And so notifications show up and they're just little and they're – I don't see much of the text at, at a time. And so that's kind of what's preventing me from switching over to one of these. That doesn't bother you. I use mine a little bit differently than you and this is going to sound weird, but it's enough for me – to get a notification, to know that something has happened on my phone. So if I get a notification, I, I don't really spend much time interacting with my watch or my fitness band. I just go directly to the phone. It just lets me know, hey, there's something over there. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because the other thing I wanted to talk about was, you know, we we mentioned the Amazfit BIP and the newer Amazfit BIP S, which for 70 bucks is just ludicrously good. I mean, it's just like it's got everything. It does everything. And it actually kind of solves the problem because it has a, a bit of a larger screen and more text can fit on it, on it at a time. So I can see more of the notifications than I would with a regular fitness band. But here's the thing. I can read the notifications. I can't respond to the notifications. Um, I can't answer a text message or even answer a phone call or anything like that. And and that's fine. That's That's okay. However, I just want to note, if you're an iPhone owner, it's really worth looking at the Apple Watch. And I'm saying this as the cheapskate, mind you, because the amount of added functionality you get between an Apple Watch and an iPhone is considerable. Do do you not agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. With an Apple Watch, I can respond to notifications. I can send text messages directly just by talking into the watch. I have Siri accessible to me. I can have phone calls. I can actually go Dick Tracy and, and have a phone call through the watch without having to run for my phone. do you phone. actually do that? Because for me, yeah, those capabilities are there in the same way that I could train a monkey to bring me <laughs> dinner, but I really don't. Have you got a monkey? Yes, I, think I if do. If you had the monkey, you would, you would do that. <laughs> No, you, you're you're right. I don't use those features that often, but I, I like them, and, and I do on occasion take advantage of them. I mean, the Apple Watch, there's a lot of overkill. There's a lot of stuff that I don't use, but I'm just saying that the overall experience, whether it's just the, the, the screen, um, the watch faces, the whole thing, that I think it's worth at least looking into. If you're an iPhone owner, you have to at least consider it. And you can still get the Apple Watch Series 3, which is amazing to me that it's now like literally three generations behind the current model, starting at $199, and it's very often on sale for $169. It has been actually for quite a while now. So for $169, it's not it's not cheap, but it's also not $300 or $400. So that's my tip and my takeaway. I just want to encourage everybody to at least consider that if you have an iPhone. I, I really think the the extra money there is worth it. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back next week with more deals and more money-saving advice. In the meantime, you can find daily deals by visiting cnet.com slash cheapskate and following us on Twitter at cheapskateblog or Facebook at Cheapskate Rick. You can also sign up for deal alerts by texting 415-878-5807. And if you want to talk to us, you can send us an email to cheapskateshow at cbsinteractive.com. Again, that email address is going to change fairly soon, but you can still use it for now. As always, we'd be eternally grateful if you left us a rating or a review on your preferred podcast platform. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay cheap. 